Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse 19. I, I was hoping to have more time to work on this sermon. I, I was hoping it was going to be what I call a crockpot sermon, where I just keep tossing stuff in over time and let it simmer in my spirit. Uh, I was standing on the beach in Mexico, which I don't like beaches. They tried to kill me once with sun poisoning. I literally, you know, I'm, I wear I clothes and I sunscreen under the clothes with like SPF 1000 underneath the clothing. <laughs> and I was standing there and uh, I walked back to my phone. Uh, the Lord gave me a sermon. And I typed that rough outline in my phone there on the beach in Mexico. So clearly my mind was very relaxed. That was sarcasm, by the way. But I think now I was, I, I was really arguing with the Lord about waiting a little bit longer to preach it. Uh, but I think it's a good time with our young people coming back from midwinter to get a revelation of some things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? So when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence with speaking in other tongues, you, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost. And you are not your own. You're not your own. Can you say that with me? I'm not my own. How can you not belong to yourself? Now, here we are in the year 2024. I almost said 23. Here we are in the year 2024. A hundred and, I don't know, some odd year. 50 some odd years, something like that, from removed from slavery and its horrors. And we kind of have a hard time grasping this concept. Our very founding principles say all men were created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That means they can't be taken from you, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we have a little bit of difficulty comprehending this but this was written in the ancient world and it was very understood the buying and the selling of a human being but you were not sold at an auction block to some cruel taskmaster but you were purchased there was a price tag that was placed upon your soul the cost of your own sin and wickedness. You are not your own, for you were bought 
with a price. You were bought with a price. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject. Things that don't belong to me. Things that don't belong to me. Will you lift your hands and your voices with me across this place? Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my lips to speak. Your word is alive and is powerful and is sharper than any sword. Lord, it pierces down to the very deepest of our being. Lord, I know your word is powerful, but Lord, I pray that you would help me to deliver your word with accuracy and without fear or favor. Lord, I pray that you would minister in this place today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. I, now this might shock some of you, but I am absent-minded. Uh, Like shockingly absent-minded sometimes. I can get real focused. And then after Bishop passed, I asked my wife, I said, I think I'm channeling his spirit. I had to call Bishop Stark on the way to uh, board meetings this summer. I said, Bishop, I'm sorry, I'm going to be about 45 minutes late. I went the wrong way. Now, you got to understand, I've driven to that camp hundreds and hundreds of times. But I was thinking about something. I thought he was going to be upset. I found out from the other presbyters. He hung up the phone and said, Harold Jr. <laughs> I, I am very absent-minded. I, I just, I write list for list because I won't remember. Vasa called me last night and said, I, he just pulled out. said, go close the door at the church. I forgot to close, close it and it's open. I said, okay, I'll go do it right now. I walked in this morning. My dad said, do you know that door was open all night? It's not a new thing. Many years ago, I was shopping for jeans at uh, the French store, as Brother Trapani called it, J.C. Penney. And uh, I decided I found a pair of jeans that fit. I put them over my arm. I decided I was going to look at suits. And uh, so I'm looking at the suits. I changed my mind. I thought, you know what? I don't need anything. And I walked out. And I'm walking out, and I reached to open the car door, and there's a pair of jeans on my arm. Now, the bad part of this story is the exact same thing happens twice in one month. So I turn, first, you know, the first carnal thought pops in your mind, cool, free jeans. But then, you know, that Christ spirit says, no, those don't belong to you. And so I walked back in. I said, I'm so sorry. I had them in my hand and I walked out. The lady said, oh, it happens more than you think and took them back. Fast forward about three to four weeks later, I'm in J.C. Penney's because I didn't buy jeans, and I'm buying jeans again. And again, I thought, oh, there's a sale. I'll look at suits. But if you know anything about buying suits at J.C. Penney's, they only have size, you know, 65 extra long in size, you know, microscopic. And so there was nothing that fit me. So again, I walked out to my car. And again, I reached for the car handle. I thought, ah, you've got to be kidding me. And so I turned around with shame. They don't belong to me. So I can't keep it. It wasn't right for me to keep it. It doesn't belong. You know, this is not the concept of modern America. It doesn't belong to me. Oh, but it's a big evil corporation. But it doesn't belong to me. 
And so I walked back in. I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention. And I walked out with these jeans. I didn't pay for them. I have them back. She began to act like I was the world's worst thief. I mean, just this is a different lady. I mean, hate and condemnation. I thought, lady, if I was stealing them, I wouldn't bring them back. You know, then they invented the self-checkout. Nick's worst nightmare. I've walked out with pilfered water, pilfered paper. More times than I can count, I walk back into Sam's Club with my head held low. I'm so sorry, I forgot to pay for this. But I didn't keep any of it because it didn't belong to me. That's called theft. I didn't pay for it. It didn't belong to me. Someone else paid for it. It was theirs. This is a vital concept. There are some things that don't belong to you. Working in the church field, we were setting up for something. I turned around and there's a guy walking off with my bucket of tools. I said, I dropped my stuff. I said, hey, sir, those are mine. That doesn't belong to you. Well, he was, he was very uh, uh, troubled in the mind. He gave them back. I, I, it's a long, funny story. They didn't belong to him. They were mine. Christmas Eve a few years ago, I, 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 I gave the, trust, the, the ushers a hard time. I was teasing them. I said, think of all the vehicles that didn't get stolen. As I walked out and my truck was gone. I said, I'm a parking lot half full kind of guy. I was just teasing them. They, I, this is what happens when you leave keys out. My truck was stolen. And then they used my stolen truck to steal someone else's trailer full of tools. But it all worked out. It was a happy ending. Part of our youth group now is the son of the man whose truck, my truck, used to steal his tools. Got to meet him because of it. There's nothing worse than when someone takes something that doesn't belong to them. Have you ever been robbed from? Have you ever had something stolen from you? Is there anything that brings up a self-righteous indignation as having someone steal something from you? There are things that don't belong to someone else because I paid for them. And there's things that don't belong to me because somebody else paid for them. And here is the problem. We try to take things from God that he paid for. And we, try, we allow the enemy to take things from us that don't belong to him. There are some things that do not belong to me. They are not mine. And as such... I don't have say over them. The owner does. Now, I know <clears throat> the moment I gave my title, things that don't belong to me, people thought, uh-oh, he's going to preach on giving. It's where people's minds go straight to. Well, that, that's true. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of scripture about it. Leviticus 27 God said a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's his. 
and it's holy unto the Lord. Again, in Malachi 3.8, the prophet wrote, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed you? And he said, In tithes and in offerings. God views that 10% as it belongs to him. David said it this way when he was taking up an offering to build the temple. God would not allow him to build it, but he said, I'll let your son build it. So David gathered all the materials together. And when he got done taking the offering in 1 Chronicles 29, this is what he said. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. <coughs> and David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Think about that. All the power is God's. All the greatness is God's. All the goodness is God's. All the glory is God's. Yours is the kingdom. Oh, this would help a lot of us if we understand it's not our kingdom, it's his kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, O oh Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly as this. For all things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. What a statement. Do you, I, I read this morning that some estimate that offering that was taken was worth between 600 and 800 billion dollars. That's a lot of money. And David said, you know what, Lord, we're only giving back what belongs to you anyways. You know, have you ever had your kids, they ask you for money so they can buy you a present? I'm very generous with myself, evidently. You know, we like basketballs and bar Barbie dolls, and it's amazing the gifts the children buy you. We're just returning what already belongs to God. But when it comes to things that belong to Lord, the Lord, it's a lot bigger than talking about financial things. All the earth is the Lord's. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and all who dwell in it. Now, we are a reactionary people. It is my pet peeve, reactionary stances. And so you have one political uh, group who they just kind of decide they own anything, but he says, you know, hey, I don't think we should cut down all the trees, liberal Hey, you know what? We probably ought not to use the ocean as a dump, liberal. And so it somehow it becomes a righteous thing to, to mistreat the earth. But, you know, the Lord sent Israel into captivity for every year, a year for every jubilee they did not keep. For every year of rest, the Lord said every seventh year you've got to let the land rest and recover. And if you do it, I'll make the sixth year so great it's three years in one. But they didn't do it. And the Lord took it so serious that for every year of rest that they skipped, every Sabbath on the land, he sent them a year into captivity. In fact, Adam, the first job given to man, 
was to tend for the garden. The earth is the Lord's. We're supposed to take care of it. The animals belong to the Lord. And they're given to us for meat, for food, and to use. But they're not to be abused. Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4 says, Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. You can use the ox to pull your plow. But you're not allowed to muzzle its mouth. You've got to let it eat too. Leviticus 17 says this, And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or of strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is as the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh. For the life of all flesh is in the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. I'm sorry if you like blood pudding, you're going to have to change. God said you can... Eat the animals I provided for you. But you've got to understand their life belongs to me and you've got to pour that blood back out into the earth that I made for you. Proverbs 12, 10, a righteous man regards the life of his animal. And Jesus said it this way, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Think about this. God takes his property seriously. Do you know that? He takes his property seriously. He mistreat the earth. He sent them into captivity one year for every Sabbath they missed. He said, if you're going to take one of my animals, you've got to pour the blood back out because the blood belongs to me. He said, if you're going to have an animal, you better treat it right. And then Jesus teaching about his great love for us. He said, don't they sell two sparrows in the marketplace for a farthing? The most common bird in all the world. He said, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. Think about that. I tried to study it out one time. You know, we named our daughter after the sparrow. I tried to study it out to see how many there were, but everybody said the same thing. There's just too many, and their lifespan and their birth cycle, it's too hard and too complicated to figure it out. Nobody knows how many there are. There's just more than any other bird, and yet there's never been one that's fallen to the ground without Jesus there to comfort it. And when he got done, he looked around at those people and said, don't you understand? You're worth a lot more than a sparrow. There's a price tag on you. Do you understand? He takes his property seriously. There are things that belong to him. And he said, don't you understand the price that's on you? We just read it in 1 Corinthians 6. You're not your own, but you were bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ himself. In a day where we're constantly bombarded with the statement, my body, my choice. You cannot get anything more countercultural than this. It's not my body. 
It's not your body. It belongs to him. Everything that I am, everything that I'm not, everything that I have, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. We used to sing that song, I'm yours, Lord, with everything I am, with everything I've not, with everything I have. Try me now and see if I can be completely yours. I was purchased. I was paid for. You were purchased. You were paid for. There are some that act like the church they lead belongs to them, like the souls of the people that they lead belong to them. But in Acts 20, it says this, be shepherds of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is not my church. I don't get to preach my ideas or my fancies or what I like or what I don't like. It's his church, and I've got to love it the way he loved it, and we got to talk the way he talked and think the way he thinks and live the way he wants us to live. Peter warned in 2 Peter 2 that there are false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. Who bought them. He paid for you. This is where people get upset. Want to be a free entity. But don't you know what the scripture says? Whoever you sell yourself to serve, that's whose slave you are, whether a slave of sin or a slave of Christ to righteousness. But you know, working for the Lord is a wonderful thing. He said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden's light. You know what that means? He's in that yoke with us. A yoke is where they put that strap over the two oxen or the two horses so that they can pull a heavy load. But when the Lord's on your side, he's a whole lot bigger and stronger than you. So when you work for Jesus, all of a sudden he takes all the heavy stuff. He takes all the pain. He takes all the sorrow and he carries it for you. It's wonderful to belong to the Lord. But the best part of understanding that we are God's, if he paid for me, that means there are some other things that no longer belong to me. Your past does not belong to you. My past does not belong to me. And it doesn't belong to you anymore. Colossians 1.19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Every Tuesday, I sit down and pay the bills with Sister Dingus, our church secretary. And we look over all the accounts and everything is paid for and all the money is reconciled. 
making sure everybody got it where it was supposed to go. Everything was used the way it was supposed to use. It's all reconciled. God sat down and looked at the price of your sin and all the bad things that you did and he reconciled it unto himself. He said, I'll take that debt. I'll take that pain. I'll take what they owe and I'll put it on myself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I'm reading from the New Living Translation in case you're wondering. Sometimes plain English really helps. He reconciled it. He paid for your sin. It no longer belongs to you. So when you ask Jesus to forgive you and he filled you with his spirit, when you ask him, Lord, I messed up, and he brings you back in and you feel that Holy Ghost come back over you, you can stand before him as if you've never done anything wrong. (coughs) It doesn't belong to me anymore. I really should learn to control my voice. You see, the enemy loves to bring up our past. He likes to remind you of what you were. But I'm so glad Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, Don't you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. They think, oh no. I'm done for. But you got to keep reading. Verse 11. And such were. Notice that. Past tense. I'm not. It's not such are some of you. Or such will be some of you. It's past tense. Such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified. In the name of the Lord. And by the spirit of God. Young people. Do you know what justified means? It means just as if I'd never done it. Just as if I'd never did it. I used to do those things, but I'm not anymore. They don't belong to me anymore. They don't belong to you anymore. Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. How come they don't belong to me? I'll tell you why they don't belong to me. Why don't they belong to you anymore? I'll explain it to you. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. (coughs) Peter said it this way. In 1 Peter 2, he who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. 
He paid for our sin. He paid for my sin. He paid for it. He's got the receipt. Do you know what that means? It doesn't belong to me. Say, but I still remember him. That's okay. I'll show you in a few minutes. He doesn't. I don't have to carry the guilt and the shame anymore. I don't have to walk away in condemnation. You know what that means? Feeling condemned. I don't have to feel it anymore. Romans 8.1 There is therefore no now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. He doesn't remember it anymore. You don't have to keep asking him to forgive you for something that he can't even remember. Hebrews 8, 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. It's not only that he can't remember it. You know, we like to sing the song, and I like the song, don't get rid of it. There's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, but it's not true. There is something God can't do. He can't remember my sin anymore. Once his blood has been applied, once you go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, that sin can never be added to your account again. And more than that, he, not only can he not remember it, he can't even see it anymore. Isaiah 38, 17, you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. You know why that's important? Jesus can't turn around. He doesn't turn around. It doesn't belong to me anymore. You know, I appreciate the hard work that people at AA do trying to help others. But every time you walk into an AA meeting, the people stand and they say, I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. Hi, my name's Nick, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name's Nick, and I'm a drug addict. It doesn't matter how many years that you've been clean or how many decades pass from your old actions and behavior. You're constantly associated with the sin and the weakness of your past. In meeting after meeting, they walk in, I am an alcoholic, I am a drug addict. But you've got to understand when it comes to Jesus, you don't have to be associated with your past anymore. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Psalm 104, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far is that? How far is east from west? You can go past the edges 
of our continent. You can go beyond the seas and out past the globe. You can go from Milky Way, one edge of the Milky Way to the next. You can go out into the far expanse of the galaxy. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed your sins from you. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Jesus took it away. He cast it from us. He washed us in his blood. And then he made us into something new. <coughs> Second Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. They're not around anymore. All things have become new. The old is gone and washed away in baptism. How? 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't know how to sin. He's never sinned. And yet he took all the pain, he took all the suffering, he took all the debt, he took all of that sin on himself on the cross so that you and I could become righteous. He became sin for us. Your past doesn't belong to you because you were bought with a price. But you know the great thing? It doesn't belong to Satan either. Your past doesn't belong to the enemy. Revelation 12 tell, give us a picture of Satan. So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren. Ah. The accuser of our brethren. Mm. Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Have you ever been accused of something you didn't do? If someone accused you of a crime you did not commit, would there be any way of you convincing yourself that you did it? Would you stand before a judge and jury and say, oh, that's right, I, I did it, I, I, I robbed that bank when you didn't rob the bank? Send me to jail. Throw away the key. I did it. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. No, you'd stand there and you would plead, I didn't do it. Someone else did it. I'm innocent of the charge. Don't put me away. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But yet the accuser of our souls, the accuser of the brethren, he whispers and he tries to dig up the past. Oh, yeah. You're a sinner, you're a liar, you're a fornicator, you're this, you're that. 
and he accuses. And the amazing thing happens. So often we allow him to project it. And we next thing you know, us, right? I'm no good. I'm no good. I didn't do it. I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. Push, put me away, Lord. Just cast me from your presence. Put me away. I, I, I can't pray anymore. I can't feel your presence. I did it. I did it. I did it. He accuses you of things that no longer belong to you. Jesus can't even remember them. He can't see them. They're no longer a part of your DNA. They're no longer a part of your past. They're no longer anything in your life. It's no longer associated with you. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has separated it from you. And yet the accuser stands and he tries to project. And when you go to pray for a blessing or you go to pray for a need or for someone else, he whispers in your ear, don't don't you remember when you don't you remember that time and it may have been 60 years ago or 6 months ago and we allow that condemnation to come on us and we start carrying around things that don't belong to us anymore Do you know how he's defeated? For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the land and by the word of their testimony. I get to overcome and say, yeah, that doesn't belong to me anymore. Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price. <coughs> you don't belong to the devil. And your past doesn't belong to him. He has no right to bring it up. He has no right to remind you of it. But you have every right to plead the blood of Jesus. He washed me. He saved me. He delivered me. It doesn't belong to me anymore. Why carry something that doesn't belong to you? Why, why, why lug a burden day in and day out? Why go to sleep with tears running down your cheeks for something that God no longer associates with you? Say, but what if he steals me away? Oh, that's John 10, 28. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Nobody has a right to pull me out of the presence of God. Nobody can pull my sin. Oh, they can try. I talked to someone a few months ago on the phone who was bringing up another person's past. I said, you better be careful because if you go fishing around in the blood trying to pull up someone else's sin, the only thing's going to come up with your own faults and failures. Nobody can pull my past back up. And if they try, I've got the testimony. I am saved. I am sanctified. I am justified. It's just as if I had never done it. 
That doesn't belong to me anymore. There are things that don't belong to me that I carried around for decades. I walked every day carrying a burden of fear. It didn't belong to me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I carried something that didn't belong to me. I let it steal my joy. I let it steal my peace. And it was never supposed to be a part of my life. It didn't belong to me, and yet I let the enemy convince me to carry it. I know others who cannot escape the guilt of their past, but you've got to lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, it's yours. You paid for it. What right do you have to carry it around when it doesn't belong to you anymore? You have no right to it. You have no right because it doesn't belong to you. So why don't you lay it down today? If the enemy's been trying to dredge up things from your past, weigh you down, convince you that you can never walk with the Lord, it doesn't belong to him. You don't belong to him. You belong to Jesus. And Jesus paid for that sin with his own blood. It doesn't belong. It doesn't belong to you. Stand with me. Will you lift your hands and your voices? Jesus, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Jesus, he called Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The prodigal son stayed in that pig sty, eating with the hogs. As long as the enemy was able to convince him that he wasn't a son anymore. And if you read it, you say, but he said, I'm not worthy to be called a son, but he said, I will go to my father's house. He didn't say, I'd go to the farmer's house. He said, I'm going to go to my father's house. And I will say, Father, I'm not worthy. Oh, you know what? You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. But the Father's love. How many ever watched that old that show, Dirty Jobs? You ever watch that? I love that show. And don't never watch it while you're eating. 
There is an episode I'll never forget. This guy was raising goats. And there was a sheep that was convinced it was a goat. It thought it was a goat. It wanted to live with the goats. It wanted to eat with the goats. It was convinced it was a goat. It wasn't a goat. It was a sheep. You see, the scripture gives us a typology that those that belong to Christ are sheep and those that don't belong to Christ are goats. And that there'll be a separation of the goats and the sheep. And sometimes we convince ourselves that we're a goat. Start chomping on nails and tin cans. Start butting heads with everything. Watch all the other sheep. Their joy and their peace. And we walk around saying, I'm a goat. I'm a goat. I'm a goat. That prodigal son lived with the pigs. I don't know if you ever spent time with pigs, but you don't want them as bunkmates. Over at the Maley's house, Clark was so excited at the pigs that Lizzie was raising, he jumped in there. And he said, oh, look, they like me. I said, they don't like you. They're trying to eat you. He was literally chewing on them. Oh, it loves me. No, he's trying to eat you. And that guy's in there, and there's a slop. You know, it's called pig slop for a reason. It's all the outcast, all the rotted, all the discarded, all the things that aren't fit for human consumption anymore. And he's slopping the hogs. And what the hogs don't eat, he gets to eat. Stuff that wasn't fit for a pig is what he's eating. Because the enemy... We read about what he did. He, he spent it on riotous living, on prostitutes and every vice that you can think. That's what he spent his inheritance on. And there he is, morning after morning, sitting down and on all fours, eating out of the pig trough what the pigs leave behind. Because the enemy convinced him that that past was all he would ever be. But one day, something deep down inside said, I'm not a pig, but I've got a father who loves me. That slop doesn't belong to me anymore. I will arise. I will rise and I'll go to my father's house I'm telling you there's somebody here you've been toting around stuff that just doesn't belong to you anymore you've been carrying the enemy's been beating you up one side and back down the other telling you you are nothing more than your past and you'll never be anything more than your past 
But I'll close with this. He said, I write, John wrote in 1 John, I write to you, brother, that you, brethren, that you sin not. I'm writing this letter so you don't sin. But when you sin. <laughs> oh, a realist. But when you sin, we have an advocate. You know what that is? A lawyer. We have a lawyer. Jesus Christ himself. The righteous. And Jesus opens up the books. And Jesus argues with himself. My law says they sin. And he says, yes, but my love and my grace. Just put a little more blood over it. Just put a little more blood over it. Don't carry, don't carry something out of this place today that doesn't belong to you. You know what does belong to you? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness. Those things belong to you. That other stuff is just pig slop. It's not a part of your life anymore. Come on, lift your hands and your voices with me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He kind of, oh, yes. I'm 